What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fourth and Infinity Podcast. That's right. I'm not your usual host. Why is that? Because, well, for the first time in our entire friendship, the Las Vegas Raiders have defeated the Kansas City Chiefs, and Nuck is in the loser's chair for today. Let's go! <laughs> uh, yeah. Doesn't feel great. I, I didn't... I. Had never thought about it before, but when's the last time you won? It was just like early 2020. 2020, yeah, in Kansas City, the Henry Ruggs game. Yeah, we became friends in 2021. So yeah, our whole friendship, it's been Chiefs W after Chiefs W so far. Had some some wacky close matchups along the way, but yeah, it was not the best Christmas for me. Not going to lie, the like three or four hours after that game, basically the whole Eagles-Giants portion of Christmas Day, I was in a foul mood because of uh, how that game went. So you ruined my Christmas, you motherfucker. <laughs> Happy to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, hello, folks. Uh, it's just Arcadio and I tonight. Janet is traveling. Bobby still is on dad duty. So just us. We'll get into everything that happened in week 16 of the league. Hope you all had a great Christmas. We'll get into everything here in just a second. Uh, we'll start with first down game recaps. Since it is just you and I here, uh, I think we can start with uh, Chiefs Raiders, even though it's not the first one chronologically for all of our teams. I think we can start here. So since you won, if you want to take it away, you can start. Game started, kind of seemed like how any other Raiders-Chiefs game was going to go. Um, Raiders couldn't really move the ball too well. Um, they did put together one nice drive that got them three points. That really should have been for a touchdown. But, uh, you know, teams were just kind of feeling each other out, you know. I'm always used to the Raiders starting fast against the Chiefs and then just completely falling apart. It was towards the end of the first quarter or the beginning of the second. The Chiefs had gotten the, their first touchdown. It was 7-3. to three. And then Mahomes and, was put, like they were in a Wildcat type of formation. And there was a direct snap to Pacheco. And he was handing it off to Mahomes. And the exchange got mishandled. And the Raiders picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, missed the extra point, of course, because you can't always go so good for the Raiders. So it was nine to seven, and then I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I mean, if they're gonna spot us six points on <laughs> on defense or whatever, then we'll take it because we're gonna we'll take every freaking inch we can against this team." And then, not seven game seconds later, Patrick Mahomes loads up and throws it towards the right sideline, and. Jack Jones reads the route perfectly for the second week in a row, jumps the play, runs it back, staring down Mahomes on his way into the end zone, goes to the stands and pretends like he's going to give the ball to a little kid and then snatches it away, which is to me was just like the most Raiders, old school Raiders thing imaginable, just just embracing the villainy. And uh, all of a sudden the Raiders are up 17 to three and or 17 to seven. I wasn't holding my breath for too long because, you know, I'm used to the Chiefs coming back and doing their thing against the Raiders. But the whole game, it just seemed like, at least on the offensive side of the ball, the Chiefs were just getting punched in the mouth. The Raiders just would not let up. Um, their their defensive front was in the backfield every single play. They made Mahomes run for his life. Like, he ran for freaking hundreds and hundreds of yards for the entire game because he, he just kept trying to buy time to make plays that just were not there. And it held for pretty much the entire rest of the game. Um, the Raiders on offense didn't did absolutely 
like nothing. They did even less than that and <laughs> not even completing a pass after the first quarter yep. and still ended up somehow doing just enough, especially at the end with their running game to pull this one out for the first time in three years. And it felt pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, you mentioned sort of the, the slow start to the beginning of the game that can often happen. Um, this is one of the worst starts in Chiefs history in terms of yardage in the first quarter. Um, they had two drives in the first quarter, total of minus 18 yards. Uh, they got nothing going until that first touchdown drive in the second quarter that you mentioned. But yeah, this was, I believe they said, the worst like yardage start to a game the Chiefs have had since the fateful 2011 game against the Jets that got Todd Haley fired. And uh, a lot of people will argue there's a secret based video that also argues this, that basically set them on the course that got them to Andy Reid, Alex Smith, and obviously where they are now. So the worst game we've had or the worst first quarter we've had offensively since that fateful day in 2011 of, of many indications we've had this season that the offense is broken on the, for the chiefs. This game was the biggest indicator of that. They had, like we mentioned a touchdown drive in, in the second quarter. Um, and then those two, those two, plays I, I almost said two possessions but really it's just two plays back to back where they just collapsed essentially uh gave 14 points to the Raiders like you said and then the game just shifted in quick fashion and the Chiefs save for a very late push and a very very late touchdown to try and get it uh back into to try and get themselves back in position to win like right at the very end uh they just looked out of sorts the rest of the game yeah that you mentioned Mahomes running for his life I don't remember what the final number ended up being but the yardage that he had run for was pretty comparable to what he uh, ended up running for. Like all like total running all around the field is what we're talking about. Right. Um, just get, just escaping from the pass rush the whole game. It was comparable to Super Bowl 55 where uh, they lost to the Bucks and they had no offensive line. They had like one starting offensive lineman left at that point. Uh, this was similar to that. And the O-line has been an issue for the Chiefs the whole year for one reason or another, whether it's penalties, which has been the big thing, especially on the right side with Jawan Taylor. but the last few weeks at least, maybe five or six weeks, they've been slowly losing their left side of the offensive line. Trey Smith is uh, has been out for a little while, and they also lost, I believe, with Joe Tooney, um, uh, the left guard, if I'm not mistaken, who also got injured in this game and then had to bring in replacements. So the whole left side of the ball, Mahomes' blind side, is uh, held together with duct tape with backups right now, and it really showed here. And Jawan Taylor on the right side has not been a great investment for the Chiefs so far for a variety of reasons, penalties, and obviously are obviously the main one, but he's just not really performing well on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, as commentary always likes to mention, Max Crosby is like Mahomes' biggest rival on the defense, like on the other side of the ball in his entire career, it feels like. So it was a rough game for the Chiefs. They couldn't get anything going. Mahomes, I think, is pretty evident. He doesn't have any faith in his receivers. Uh, Valdez Scantling had the most snaps of anybody on the offense uh, this, this game. He had zero targets, zero catches, zero yards. I think that's a signifier. You get like 61 snaps. I think you're going to get open at least one of those at some point. I think there's a signifier that there's just a lack of trust completely in the receiving core, and it's warranted at this point by Mahomes, who didn't play well. This was one of the worst games of his career overall, but I think that's the bigger indicator. There's no chemistry here, and Travis Kelsey at this point in his career, not good enough to make up for that. Rasheed Rice can't hold the whole offense together on his own, uh, and they had to play from behind, so that mitigated their running game, and Pacheco got hurt, went out with a concussion in the second half, so... It was just a perfect storm of everything going wrong for the Chiefs and uh, everything going right for the Raiders on defense. And like you mentioned, no completed passes for the Raiders after the first quarter. Um, and I just kept waiting for that to, to get broken at a critical moment. And it didn't, but it didn't matter. Uh, I was expecting like a clutch play from Aiden, Aiden O'Connell to put the game away, which never actually happened. But 
like you said, Zamir White, I think was who got the big breakaway. He was subbing yes. for Josh Jacobs in this game. Uh, that last drive when the Chiefs really needed a stop and they had a real chance to get the ball back and at least get the game to overtime, uh, they just crumbled on defense after they held up so well pretty much the entire game. Raiders offense only got six points uh, on the board. Uh, all their touchdowns were those two defensive touchdowns, so they weren't doing much. And Devontae Adams got held in check, I think one catch for four yards or six yards. So Chiefs defense did their job. Chiefs offense um, has usually been better than this, good enough to keep, you know, to get them on the winning end of, of ugly games like this throughout the year. And that especially didn't happen here. And it's an especially important game for it to not happen in. They lost the one seed. Any chances they had the one seed because of this. So, yeah, it was a pretty demoralizing game for the Chiefs. And I think this is the game that a lot of Chiefs fans finally stopped making excuses. And they were like, oh, there's something seriously wrong, like at the core of this team that needs to be fixed. And it's not going to be fixed this year. But I think people are already kind of looking past whatever ends, whatever this year ends up being and look into the offseason. So uh, on the Chiefs side of things, pretty demoralizing, like I said, and there is a pathway for the Raiders to win the division. If they win these last two, Chiefs lose the last two. That can still happen. I still don't expect this, but, you know, at this point, I'm not going to... There's no gimme, ga uh, gimme games, as we like to say on the show. So I don't see any likely wins for the Chiefs or, or any wins that I'm really confident in between this Bengals team and this Chargers team in the last two weeks, even though in, on paper we definitely should be both of them. Yeah, from a, from a micro standpoint, I was just going to mention... Um, Malcolm Kuntz also had a really good game. Like he's quietly had a very solid season opposite, um, Max Crosby, obviously having to step up in a big way after, uh, the whole, the whole fiasco with Chandler Jones early in the office or early in the preseason and all that. But, um, yeah, he had three sacks in this game. He's up to seven on the year and he had like the most pressures I want to say in the entire league this week, which was pretty commendable. Um, he's, He's very, very quietly come on strong for us. And just it, it's indicative of the defense in general. Just everybody has just really stepped up and played a lot better in the last eight or nine weeks that um, that Antonio Pierce has been the head coach. And mm -hmm. it just uh, from a more macro standpoint, I think between this game and then the last week's game, which we didn't get to talk about, um, yeah. when the, the Raiders scored more points than they ever have in their entire franchise history <laughs> after scoring, after getting shut out the week before that, I think between these two games, it's kind of a signature for Antonio Pierce to like put his stamp on being deserving of the full-time head coaching job going into the off season. I really like the identity that the, the team has been playing with w under his leadership. Um, I like, you know, seeing, when when they got the um the celebration in the locker room and the seeing how how much fun they have and one phrase that that Antonio Pierce said after this game that keeps like sticking with me as like like a mission statement is smoke our shit we talk our shit <laughs> like took referring to the cigars and then obviously talking the crap that we we had been talking uh to the chiefs during that game and it's like that that's to me if there's a a simple way to put it it's that's the raider way you you embrace the villainy you embrace being a hater and you you have the swagger when you win and all that and you're just you're just going to be you're just going to go out every single week and just punch the other team in the mouth which again that that was another thing that 
coach Pierce had been preaching leading up to this game. And that that's just, that's the type of identity that I want my Raiders to have. And I, it, it makes me very hopeful for um, what's to come. And I just hope that we can um, make, so, make a few adjustments on the offensive side of the ball, get this team to where they want to go coming next season, because I think, I think we might have a coach. Yeah, I think you have a coach. I think you have a good defensive core. The offense is where the question marks are. Um, yeah, I mean, the quarterback position is going to be the big thing. What do they end up doing with that? Uh, you're playing yourself out of uh, out of a good quarterback draft pick every week. Now that's the one thing, the kind of the thing we've been kind of talking about the whole season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm curious what they end up doing with that. I think it's pretty clear. Not Jimmy Garoppolo. Probably not Aiden O'Connell. I don't see it, but probably not. I honestly don't really know. Yeah, I'm 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 curious more than anything about uh, about them and. Uh, turns out they might not be the only AFC West team that might have a new quarterback next year. We'll see. We'll see. All right, moving on. So we will also mention how the Lions and the Niners did, starting first with the Lions. They went to Minnesota, and they played the Vikings. Lions win 30-24. to uh, I was catching some of this game, so this was Christmas Eve. I had family stuff going on on Christmas Eve. I caught the early window on Red Zone. I believe this was in the early window, so I caught some of what was going on in this game, but I ended up missing a lot of the details here. Um, not really until like towards the end when it seemed like the Vikings were, were going to crush Bobby's hopes once again, who was it that made the, the last play? Was it Melifonwu? Um, Nick Mullins threw the ball down the middle to, to Justin Jefferson and then Melifonwu kind of like tipped it up to himself and then mm-hmm. got the game ceiling interception and the Lions won their division for the first time in 30 years. Yeah. Lions move up to 11 and four within division. It was Milifonwu who got a pick pretty close to the end zone. He he caught the ball at the Lions five. So yeah, the the Vikings were about to win this game by a point if things didn't go that way in that moment there. So huge play, obviously huge moment for the Lions. Um, like you said, first division title in, in 30 years, essentially uh, in Bobby's lifetime. Certainly his lifetime as a football fan. So very happy for them. And thanks to how other games went, they're still very much in play for the one seed. We will see if that can possibly happen. Um, I'm not necessarily keeping my hopes up for that if I'm a Lions fan, but you know, anything can happen. This league has been very wacky this year. Uh, teams, great teams have lost game, a lot of games they shouldn't have lost this year. So I wouldn't rule anything out at this point for them. And yeah, they went in on the road, beat a team that's, uh, obviously wounded. They're, they're missing some key players, uh, but they're still putting together a decent season and you got to win those games on the road. And that's exactly what they did here. So yeah, props to the Lions for that. I wish Sam Laporta did more. He did basically nothing for me and cost me cost me uh, my parlay. But what are you going to do? Next week, he'll have a big game, right? That's how it goes. The Vikings got shorthanded in this game. They lost uh, two pass catchers, Hawkinson and Addison. Mm-hmm. They both, neither of which returned to the game. I think Melifonwu also had, he was involved in another turnover, I believe, earlier in the game. I'm looking at the box score here. Mullins had four interceptions. I did not realize this. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, four total turnovers for the Vikings. So all interceptions by Nick Mullins. I did not realize that. And they kept him in the whole game. I don't know who they have behind him at this point. Oh, I guess Josh Dobbs. But yeah, I'm kind of surprised they left him in. Yeah, and Jaron Hall. Uh, I guess I'm kind of surprised they left him in with four interceptions. Um, I guess he had three until the very, very end of the game. But still. Right. Yeah, you just can't make that many mistakes in this league. You give a good team like the Lions four extra opportunities. They're going to do something with it. And the fourth one was the one that sealed the game. So yeah, Vikings are still very much in it, uh, live for the playoffs. They are on primetime this week in a pretty big uh, game for NFC playoff position. 
and the Lions are sitting pretty right now. So, uh, well, not sitting pretty for too long because they have a pretty big matchup this week. But yeah, Lions get the W here. Really quickly, I just wanted to mention on that last drive, uh, Justin Jefferson, it's gotten kind of lost in the shuffle, but he also had like one of the best catches in the NFL this season. Yeah. It was like, it was either third or fourth down and um, Nick Mullins was throwing it into like a double coverage and Justin Jefferson just went up and bodied both defenders and like just one of the most insane clutch catches that you'll see. And unfortunately, like the the Vikings didn't end up coming out on the winning side, but man, that was like a really special play. Yeah. And it sucks that he's been missing for so much of this season. And especially without Hawkinson, I can only imagine the production he's about to have in these last two weeks as they fight for a playoff position. I'm very curious to see just how much they end up feeding Justin Jefferson now. So congrats to the Lions for their first division title in a long, long, long time. So moving on from that to what the Niners were up to, they played Monday night, Christmas night. They hosted the Ravens. This is the matchup of the two one seeds in their respective conferences, both, I believe, at 11-3 and three going in. Uh, one of the, I believe in terms of regular season matchups, one of the best late season like winning percentage matchups of all time. I think they said this is like tied for, not tied, but like one of the top three Monday Night Football matchups of all time, if that's the metric you're judging by. And it was on Christmas, so a pretty huge game here. And, you know, people were thinking maybe Super Bowl preview. We'll see uh, that when we get there. This is obviously Super Bowl that happened about a decade ago as well. Uh, yeah, Ravens came in and... First quarter was a little bit back and forth. Niners got a safety pretty early on because uh, the ref tripped in the end zone and Lamar tripped over him and they ended up calling intentional grounding because uh, he couldn't yeah. get the ball past the line of scrimmage oh, man, and it was in the that. end zone. Yeah, I would have, like, I'd care more about this if it ended up actually costing the Ravens the game or something like that toward the end. But I did feel bad that, I don't know if he would have gotten the ball back to the line of scrimmage. He dug himself a pretty big hole with how far back he went scrambling. The ref being in the way is really unfortunate. I don't know how you can regulate that or anything like that, but I really thought that was an unfortunate break for the for the Ravens. But they made up for it by kicking the Niners in the teeth the entire rest of the game. So we just mentioned Nick Mullins having four interceptions and not even realizing it. Uh, Brock Purdy had four interceptions, and we absolutely realized that because he got benched for Sam Darnold in this game. At the time, I don't know if I thought this was a, oh, we'll prevent Purdy from getting injured or we're actually going to try and win this game and we think Purdy's just playing too bad. Um, they brought Donald in and they almost made things interesting. He threw a pick uh, within like inside about two minutes or so that would have given them a one-score deficit and would have given them a chance to maybe tie the game up going into overtime. But Donald came in and he ran the offense well enough, I think, but it felt like still garbage time, even though the Niners could have conceivably like made the comeback with the way things were going. Yeah. Yeah, the Ravens were just playing like really good team defense this whole game. There there was a pair of Ravens defenders, I forget what their names were, but they they combined for like a couple of really nice interceptions. Like one would tip it to the other person and the other person would get the interception and yeah, it just seemed like they they had Brock Purdy's number like the whole game. Like yeah, Brock Purdy was just his game was completely off, like not not nearly as accurate as he usually is and yeah, um, the announcers or some of the um, analysts on Twitter later on were were commenting that his lack of arm strength really showed up in this game because he's not a guy that can fit it into a really tight window in, in a situation where he needs to, like Sam Darnold was kind of doing at the end of the game, mm-hmm. which like obviously not to say that Sam Darnold is nearly as good a player as Brock Purdy. But yeah, it's it's when um, when things aren't going well, in that offense, it kind of snowballs against them and then vice yeah. versa. When things are going well, it snowballs in favor of them. Yeah, they're they're that type of team. I think as I've 
I brought bring up the stat all the time about how Shanahan's still winless in any game that they're behind eight points or or more in the fourth quarter. This is another game that they tacked onto that. They just seem like a team that is not built to come from behind. They're built to stay one or two steps ahead of you the entire way, and that's the only way they know how to play, especially on the offensive side of things. And when things aren't going their way, when the game flow is not in their favor, uh, like you said, it just kind of snowballs, and they look almost lost out there. Like it's it's sort of amazing how bad they look, even though they have great skill players and they all still made an impact. Kittle had some huge plays. McCaffrey had his usual big game, uh, and Debo made some big plays as well. But as a whole, as you know, all the eyes are going to go in the quarterback position when things are going bad. And yeah, just a bad night for Brock Purdy. Knocked him out of the MVP conversation that it felt, even with a season this weird, it still felt a little much for him to be the MVP favorite. Um, I think that's people looking at stats more than anything, which I think is something, even though I'm guilty of it myself sometimes, I think that's something you really shouldn't do in the grand scheme of things. Um, especially when you look across at who the Ravens have at quarterback, who is not having a monster year in terms of touchdowns, but command of games, the way he leads the offense, obviously has a great defense on the other side as well. But Lamar Jackson is probably the most dominant player I've seen in terms of, like I said, dictating the flow of games this year. And this was no exception, like, and sort of the inverse of Jalen Hurts, who is a beneficiary of a bunch of one yard touchdown runs. Lamar Jackson hands it to Gus Edwards, um, who's got like 12 touchdowns this year that are inside the 10 yard line. So, you know, that's sort of how things shake out. They have they have their system just like the Eagles do, and they run it to perfection when they really need to in those red zone situations. And it doesn't go in favor of Lamar's stat padding total, but it just shows you how dominant the team has been. I have not been a believer in the Ravens the last couple seasons, and part of that um, has been, like, in, in his earlier seasons, I was a Lamar hater, I think, probably because he was Mahomes' clearest rival for probably 2018 or 2020, I want to say. Um, and I felt like Mahomes was clearly better, and he showed himself to be better at that point in time. But you just look at how those te- like just comparing the Chiefs and the Ravens right now is night and day, and command over a team, command over an offense, it's it's Lamar Jackson right now, and he looks like the most dominant player in the league. And I think he's the MVP favorite now if you look at the betting sites, which seems more apt. I think it's uh, Lamar number one and McCaffrey number two. I don't think there's a chance in hell McCaffrey actually pulls this off, but it feels like uh, nature is healing as far as you look at the MVP, the, uh, MVP race right now. It's funny you mentioned the the Lamar Jackson and Mahomes comparison because last season, Lamar Jackson was in the position that Mahomes is in this season where mm-hmm. like he his weapons just wouldn't help him at all. Like yep. he was do, having to do it on his own like every single game. Yeah, it, it, that's what ended up leading to the Ravens, you know, early exit in the playoffs is just didn't have the firepower to keep up with anybody well they also didn't have lamar to be fair that's true i forgot about that that i forgot about that yeah Yeah, that's the that's a thing i want to say people use it against him well i guess they kind of do because i've even stuck in with the injury pro label myself is that he hasn't finished the last two seasons and two years ago they made them miss the playoffs and last year he missed the last like five games and missed the playoff game that they did play which they almost won but yeah, I mean, you look at missed opportunities there. I think I'll I'll be the first to admit I've probably been unfair to him, and he's showing what he can do when he's in a good situation with a with a really good offense. He's missing his best weapon though, and he's still doing this. I think it's just impressive as hell. Yeah, yeah. So Ravens uh, scoreboard won't reflect like total domination necessarily, but Ravens were in control of this game the whole way through. I. Would have wished for a classic given how big the game was. I think they said it's the second biggest game of the year behind Chiefs Eagles, at least on Monday Night Football. It did a pretty great rating, and 
yeah, it, it was a good game all in all. Uh, not as competitive as I wanted it to be, but certainly newsworthy. I know Janev was uh, was not happy with this one. And uh, yeah, Janev and I did not have great Christmases, folks. I'll say that. All right, so elsewhere uh, around the league in Week 16 on Thursday night, we had uh, Rams hosting the Saints, which was a game that I wasn't necessarily excited for. The Saints, as we've mentioned, have not been a fun team to watch. And uh, this game went pretty much in favor of the Rams the whole way through. The Saints threatened to make things interesting toward the end, uh, but it was just too little too late. You know who the star of this game kind of was for the Rams? Chiefs legend Demarcus Robinson. Who oh, yeah. I have not heard his name hardly at all since he left us. I think 2019 was his last year here. Um, he's been kind of bouncing around the league for a couple of years now and hasn't had too much success. But yeah, he's found his niche as the Rams number three. You have to pay a lot of attention to Cooper Cup, obviously, and now Puga Nakua. And when when you do that, you give opportunities to a guy like Demarcus Robinson, who, at least in this game, in the first half, made up for it. I don't think he had any action in the second half, but yeah, uh, he had... Six catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Puka also had a massive game. This Rams team, I think I've mentioned it as well the last couple episodes, they're getting hot at the right time. That offense is finally cooking. Kyron Williams is the not-so-secret key to making this offense work, I think. And obviously having a healthy Cooper Cup helps as well. But yeah, this this team is putting pieces together at the right time. And I would not want to play them uh, in that wildcard round, which it looks like, uh, if things hold, might be a uh, Lions-Rams matchup with Stafford returning to Detroit, which... There's all sorts mm. of juicy storylines to it. Definitely. Um, this game, I was I was definitely progressing into the um, the delirium stage of my illness. So I <laughs> I watched most of this game from my bed and like in the occasional states of unconsciousness. Um, <laughs> by the third quarter, the Rams had really like taken control. So. I kind of just turned it off and sat in the darkness for a little while. But right. um yeah, like there there were moments from the Saints like Derek Carr it seems like that more than any other player in his career when he wants to dial one up, he he Rashid Shahid is his guy. Like mm. he has a connection with Rashid Shahid like that surpasses any other deep threat he's ever had. And I, Shahid Shahid's a, a fun player to watch. But um, he's finally getting it going with Chris Olave. Olave really did some work in this game from a, you know just a pure go-to standpoint. He was he was their go-to receiver for sure. But yeah, the Saints. I'm they're seven and eight right now, I believe. Yeah. And so they're still one game back of in that division race, behind the Bucks, tied with the Falcons. So uh, that's that's a division that again, just like last year, is going to come down to really any one of those any one of those top three teams. Yeah, a uh, big game with the Saints and Bucks uh, in terms of division placement this weekend. Bucks have also been hot at the right time. I don't think we'll mention, but they shellacked the Jaguars uh, on Sunday. Uh, the fraudulent Jaguars, I think you'll find. Uh, yep. <laughs> ever since you've said this, they have continued to show it again and again and again. NFC South is is still. Somewhat wide open, the Bucks have made some distance, but yeah, Saints are also still in contention for that last playoff uh, playoff spot. They need some some serious help if they want to make a wild card, but not win the division. I think the best bet is for them to just win the division. Um, and as I mentioned, they play the Bucks this weekend, and then uh, Week 18 they play the Falcons. So we will see. Uh, that division is still anybody's for the taking right now. I would probably take the Bucks right now if I had to pick any of them, obviously, but it, it could go anyway. 
yeah, it was funny. I saw a lot of good memes on Thursday night about uh, how Derek Carr is like Michael Jordan when it's garbage time and no one's watching and no one cares and has any faith in him anymore. <laughs> Dude was dialing up all the deep balls. Um, the amazing stat to me, you know how many rushing yards the Saints had in this game? How many? 35. Wow. Total. Alvin Kamara was their leading rusher with 19 yards. Uh, yeah, they had to play from behind basically the entire game. And I would love to see the split in terms of how many running plays they even had in the second half, because it feels like it was none watching it live. But they threatened to make things interesting with how they did in garbage time. So at least there's that. Yeah, as for the Rams, they play the Giants this weekend, which is kind of that's the must win for them because they have a, a tough game going to Santa Clara in week 18 against the Niners. But mm. they want to make the playoffs. Got to win this Giants game, I think, because I don't know if you can bet on beating the Niners. Uh, uh, they certainly could, but I, this Giants game is, is the must win. Rams seem like the biggest lock of the of the wildcard teams other than either the Eagles or the Cowboys, obviously. Uh, Saturday night on Peacock, Peacock, Peacock exclusive game. We had the Bills going to SoFi to play the Chargers. This one ended up being pretty exciting toward the end. Uh, I was watching this hoping for for a Bills L the entire way through, still wanting them to get knocked out of the playoffs, even though, especially after this game, I think that's probably not going to happen. Of all the teams that the Chiefs could potentially have played in the first round, uh, the Bills are the one I by far want to see the least of any of the AFC teams, except maybe Cleveland. Um, Yeah, this was... uh, I mean, Easton Stick put up a decent fight. They got, we, we mentioned the the Raiders-Chargers game that broke the Chargers and made them clean house with the coaching staff and everything. Um, they were they responded to that uh, with a much, much better performance overall in this game against a, a good team in Buffalo. Good teams find a way to win games. That's what Buffalo did here. They got a game-winning field goal late, and they ended up making the stop. So they did what they had to do. You go on the road, you win a game. I don't have a ton to say about the game itself, but Bills put themselves in good position to... They could take the division, but depending on how these last couple weeks go. Yeah, it seems like no matter who the offensive coordinator is, the the Josh Allen bozoisms uh, still still pursue. They still um, happen. Yeah, but you know the Chargers. They credit to the Chargers. They they're moving the ball pretty well this game. Like mm-hmm. they, un- unfortunately, they had to settle for a lot of field goals, and that's what did them in the end. But yeah. considering that a backup quarterback, it wasn't the worst performance in the world. It was it was a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, they just had one touchdown, I think, and then five field goals to get to 22. So, yeah, yeah, there's only there's only so much you're going to do when you're just kicking field goals and all those chances that you get to get the ball in the end zone. And the better team won here. So that was Saturday night on Peacock. Uh, Sunday, we had Seahawks 20, Titans 17. Seahawks looked done two weeks ago, and all of a sudden they beat the Eagles in primetime, and they beat the Titans, and they have themselves in position to make a another wild card push here. Um, this was another game that I didn't catch a lot of because it was happening during family stuff on Sunday. Um, but yeah, let me. What happened here? Anything in particular? Um, the Seahawks led another game-winning drive, second week in a row. Did they really? Yeah, this time obviously it was Geno Smith. The week before that, it was the heroics of one Drew Lock, Drew Lock, mm-hmm. Broncos legend. <laughs> Drew and... Lock and JSN got the game winner, I think, against the Eagles, if I recall. And this was uh, Geno Smith to. Kobe Parkinson? Cody Parkinson? What's his name? Cody Parkinson, I believe. Colby Parkinson. We're Colby. Okay. Well, sorry, Colby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, Colby. But yeah, they, they do look better with Geno Smith out there. Kenneth Walker has also been back for a couple weeks now. So, I mean, I think part of their skid was that there were some injuries at quarterback and running back position that were nagging in some of those games. And yeah. uh, now that they're 
sort of back to back to full strength and they're making that push at the right time like the Rams they're not looking as impressive as the Rams but they're putting themselves in in good position uh they had the Steelers and the Cardinals as their last two games both very winnable Steelers you never know against the Steelers any of those games could really go either way um Cardinals is a game they should win and I think at nine and eight they'll probably be in good shape to uh to sneak in with the with the seven seed there or maybe the six seed they lost to the Rams though twice didn't they I they think. did they did lose to the okay Rams twice. so Seven seed is probably most conceivable for them right now, but they're putting themselves in in good position at least. And like I said, two very winnable games here. Uh, the Titans we didn't mention. Will Levis had a pretty nasty looking ankle injury uh, a couple weeks ago, and so Ryan Tannehill was back here. It was funny. Um, <laughs> I think Janev was commenting on it in our in our chat. He thought Levis had gotten benched at some point. He's like, "What the hell's Tannehill doing there?" <laughs> and uh yeah i i hadn't heard anything about levis's status if we had done a show last week he probably would have put it in the dock and i would have realized he was probably going to be out but yeah uh, yeah by the by the way arcadia mentioned it we were both sick last week that's why we didn't do the show uh it was going to be a one-man show with janev and uh he was game to do it we elected not to do it because i felt too bad to even edit anything uh it was it was a rough week last week arcadio had the suds as you mentioned yeah um uh yeah but uh as for this game titans are they're in that weird purgatory where they're not like they're too good to be awful and they're not good enough to actually be good. Uh, and they're in the weird purgatory right now. Um, my prediction of a, of a top five draft pick, probably not quite going to happen for them. They might get close with the way the, the uh, tip home stretch of the season's going. Some of those bad teams are racking up some wins like Chicago and the giants and teams like that. The Raiders. So the Raiders. Yeah. Um, so Anything could happen for them this offseason. I don't really have a good idea of the direction for them. I'm interested with what happens with Derrick Henry. That's the one thing that kind of interests me with them right now. But uh, as a team, they're they're out of it, and they're not really a threat to anybody right now. And they end the season playing the Texans and the Jags, which are going to be two tough games for them. I, I could see them playing spoiler against one of those teams for sure. Oh, I definitely could, and especially if Stroud's still going to be out, which is a bit of a question mark right now. I believe he was back to practicing this week. And this game, which I think I mentioned to you before we recorded, I saw literally not a single play of. Nothing at all. Uh, Dolphins hosted the Cowboys, and Dolphins win 22-20. I was watching or following ESPN Gamecast a little bit because I had bad service. I couldn't actually get a video of of anything going. Um, Cowboys had a go-ahead touchdown in the last couple minutes, as I recall. Then the Dolphins held on for a game-winning field goal as time expired. Uh, As for what happened in the rest of this game, I have literally no idea. Yeah, um, I saw the, I caught the start of the game and I caught like the last like I'd say like the first quarter and the last quarter were the what I watched the most of in this game, and mm-hmm. uh, it started with the Cowboys putting together a really good drive and then fumbling at the one yard line, and I, that that really set the tone for the rest of the day because from from then on like the Dolphins kind of mostly had control. That I want to say there was like a scoring drive late in the first half. Yeah, Dolphins got a touchdown uh, with 17 seconds left in the first half. Yeah, it was uh, Raheem Mostert, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, two of pass to Mostert. So that gave him a 13-7 lead going into the half. Yeah, and it seemed like the, the Dolphins just kind of like was were cruising the, this whole game. Mm-hmm. They had some issues with Jalen Waddell coming off the field like he usually does. Um, yeah. This time it seems like he really might have like a kind of a serious thing. The Cowboys, for a second, it looked like they were going to put it, pull it all together and and like you said, they got that late touchdown, but uh, the Dolphins that that last drive put they they put together a really impressive field goal scoring drive. I, the last play, 
there was it was like a do or die. There was like it was like third down and seven or third down and eight or something like that. And the Dolphins needed to get a first down, otherwise they would have kicked the field goal and given the ball back to the Cowboys with like a little less than two minutes left. And then mm-hmm. they they grinded out the key first down and ran out the clock just enough to to get the field goal with time expiring and but like a, a a nice like I wouldn't say like prolific game like it wasn't super high scoring obviously but it was mm-hmm. it, it was a game between two good teams and it felt like a, a playoff game yeah yeah this is the one that i wish i could have caught i was in the middle of nowhere and didn't have good enough service otherwise i would have been watching it on my phone and ignoring my family probably uh so you know a little annoyed that that didn't happen i guess i could have done my research and watch the the highlights but who does research honestly um yeah the play you mentioned it looks like it was third and two and jeff wilson third got six two. yards okay. to get them the first down um yeah, there was a minute 42 left. I don't know what the, what the timeout situation was, um, but Dallas would have had at least a minute or so to try and win the game. And that was a, a big first down by Jeff Wilson. And then just a couple knees, the big game-winning field goal as time expired. So Dallas drops to 10-5. and five. Uh, Miami goes up to 11-4. and four. Dallas's last two, they have the Lions this weekend, and they have the Commanders on uh, or in Week 18. Uh, Dolphins are 11-4. and four. They have a tough last two games. They have Baltimore on the road, and they're hosting Buffalo, who destroyed them earlier in the season. So mm. not an easy road for the Dolphins. They could very easily be a wild card team with the way these last two games could go. Um, so interested, more interested to see how things go for them. I think Dallas is probably getting that five seed secured, if I had to guess with how the season's going right now. And I'm curious, just depending on how things go, um, they might rest people in week 18. I'm curious if they end up doing that. Eagles win this week, they win the division, don't they? I believe so. I mean, they have Ooh, the... Oh, no, not necessarily. They have, the, they have the head-to-head tie. Because the Eagles would still have a, another division game that they would probably have to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their last two are against... The, it's Cardinals this week and then Giants week 18 for the Eagles. Yeah, so I don't know exactly how it all shakes out. Again, we expect the Eagles to win the division. I think we both do, given what their last two games are like. But in terms of whether the Cowboys can rest people week 18 uh, from having a secured five seed is sort of what I'm curious about. Right. They probably won't, but uh, it is funny. I think the chiefs did that one year where they rested people um, as they were, as they were like, they had secured their exact wild card seating like two weeks before the season ended and they rested people. Um, so I, th- I do think it's funny when a wild card team can do that, but yeah, Cowboys are in good shape. They will more than likely play whoever the, wins the NFC South uh, like they did last year, go on the road in that first round. So, that was Cowboys versus Dolphins. We, uh, last game we have as, here. Just really quickly for the Dolphins, uh, you mentioned that last game is against the Bills. If the Dolphins lose this week and the Bills win this week, we'll probably be talking about that that uh, Week Sunday 18 football. game on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, that that's my guess what they would flex. Uh, if those games go that those two ways this week, then I think you're definitely seeing the, the Week 18 game. Uh, so last game on Christmas Eve, the night of Christmas Eve, uh, Broncos hosted the Patriots. Patriots 26, Broncos 23. Spoiler for the news section. This is the end of the Russell Wilson era in Denver, folks. Was this game <laughs> right here? Uh, yeah, a, a competitive game. Uh, Bron- Broncos had uh, had a good run at, at one point. Let me. So the Pats had two touchdowns in pretty quick fashion. Uh, they recovered a fumble. Uh, they got a touchdown offense, then they recovered a fumble. Um, so all of a sudden, it was 23 to 7, Patriots. And then Broncos. I think I said in the chat when that play happened, um, we're about to see the most annoying Russell Wilson comeback of all time. <laughs> I've seen this movie before. And he almost got there. They tied the game up. 
And then when they had the chance to, uh, within two minutes, to get the go-ahead, anything, all they needed was a field goal, uh, three and out by the Broncos where they lost yardage and they gave the ball away to the Patriots, who, if you, I think, I think you and I were talking as that drive was happening, showed no real urgency to try and get that field goal. Um, they had like 58 seconds left, and they very much could have gotten down the field to get the field goal, and it felt like they weren't even trying for it because they ran the ball with Zeke um, on the first play uh, and the second play. Um, I mean, made the Broncos burn their timeouts, which I guess might have been part of the idea. Then they Zappy got a deep shot to Devontae Parker, which got them into field goal or closer to field goal range, made a couple big plays, and then they got the field goal as time expired uh, to win. But yeah, I was thinking... Belichick has no ur- urgency here. It feels like he's playing for overtime, and I guess yeah. he proved me wrong in, in this case. Um, but judging how those first couple plays went, I think they just got lucky more than anything because um, they had to dial up a deep ball to make it happen rather than just trying to move down the field from the get-go. Um, it all worked out in the end. Patriots got the game-winning field goal. Uh, they move up to f- uh, 4-11, and which is not what I'm used to seeing for a Patriots <laughs> team. Bron- Broncos dropped to 7-8. and I don't know how all the math works out exactly, but I thought they would also be a possible AFC West champion if they went out and the Chiefs lose out. Um, but everyone's only talking about the Raiders, so I guess the Broncos must have been out on math somewhere already. Um, the After Broncos are, what, 2-2 two and two in the division, I think? They've beaten the Chargers, um, they've lost to the Raiders, and they split with the Chiefs. And they have two division games left. So, like, conceivably... Okay conceivably there could be like a four-way tie or a three-way tie with the division record also being the same mm-hmm. but i don't know I, I believe it would then go to afc standings and i don't yeah. know what the Bron- what the broncos division record would be like against like the chiefs at least that that's got that has to be who they're looking that who they're stacking them up against i do feel like they're still very much alive and in the division okay, race, they and might not the, be the wild card race. They're four and six in AFC games. I just did the math. Ooh, the Chiefs would have them beat. I'm pretty sure because they beat Dolphins, they beat um, the Jaguars already. Um, in addition to beating the Broncos, beating the Raiders once, beating the Chargers once. So Chiefs already have more wins than them in the AFC. So I think they might be out if it came to that three way tiebreaker. And obviously. Uh, the Raiders and Broncos can't both win out because they play each other week 18. Oh, obviously, so yeah, have, obviously. So we couldn't have a three-way tie anyway. This, this is what we get for not putting the math on paper yeah. before we started the show. <laughs> We're working everything out as we go. We're just going off the um, dome, folks. Yeah, so Broncos and Raiders can't both win out in this in this scenario. But I thought if they did, they might have a chance. But if it's between them and the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are still going to have them beat with conference record no matter how right. next week goes um, or, or week 18 goes for that matter. And I imagine the Broncos know that. We'll just get into the story right now. Um, I'm getting some Derek Carr flashbacks, buddy, because this very expensive quarterback can bench the last two weeks of the season for Jarrett Stidham. I feel like I saw this just last year in the same division. Yeah, deja vu. Uh, <laughs> yeah, th- again, it has to do with injury guarantees and stuff like that. But yeah, the Broncos are starting Jarrett Stidham the last two weeks, and Russell Wilson may have played his last snap for the denver broncos it seems like that there was let me find it there was a tweet that was shared while we were recording here um from diana rossini russell wilson is expecting to be cut by the broncos in march per league sources for almost two months the quarterback has been starring knowing the organization was most likely going to move on from him after this season heard none of this while they were making their big run and uh, potentially sneaking their way into the playoffs of course but apparently this has been a thing that the team was planning for a couple months now has kind of been the consensus i'm seeing from a couple different reports 
I mean, I guess when they started, what, one and five is how they started. I imagine at that point was when they were probably ready to blow it up and just be like, whatever, get through the season and, and everything like that. But they played themselves right into playoff contention. And it's funny how like one one stumbling block here um, and they're just done with the whole thing. I get it. I wouldn't want that contract if I were them. I would want to just go ahead and move on and uh, like get it over with and get the rebuild going or whatever they're going to do. But it's fascinating how they were in playoff contention and now they're blowing up the team, essentially. Yeah, it seemed like they were making strides and improving and Russ was playing better than he had been like even in his last couple of years in, in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, 2020, I think, was like his best statistical year ever, but his last year was not great. I mean, you look at his stats, they're comparable to Mahomes. I think they're they're better than Mahomes in a couple metrics. Same with like Mayfield. Like, obviously, he's making more, I think, than either of them right now with with when he got his contract and what it was for. But and I don't know how contracts I still really don't know how contracts work in the NFL. I don't know what they're on the hook for after uh, they potentially cut him in March and everything like that. But the long and short of it is it looks like they're moving on from him. And I'm curious to see what they do next. I mean, you can't really go out and overspend for, like, any available quarterback, and I don't know who's going to no. be available anyway. Like, I feel like they have to commit to a rebuild at this point, even though they've wasted a lot of draft stock to get him in the first place and to get Sean Payton. So I'm curious what the uh, what the plan is over there. Now, that, that trade is officially, like, complete, right? They, there's no more draft picks that they owe? Yeah, Seahawks, I think this year's draft was the last of it. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, and, they uh, have their first round pick this year, but again, they're they're not going to be picking very high. They're going to be picking mid teens at yeah. at the at the highest. I would say maybe like twelve. Yeah, highest they could be was is eighteen, and they're not going to be that high. Interesting decision from the Broncos. I was kind of surprised to see it. Honestly, uh, we'll see how things go for them in the off season because that's what they're looking to at this point with a move like this. So. All right, moving on to primetime. It's been a couple weeks of the primetime pick'em uh, since we last reported on it. So the current situation, uh, Bobby's in the lead with 21 missed picks, uh, and then Arcadio's in second with 22. Janev and I are tied uh, for third slash fourth with 23, so still close. We have two more weeks, but only, what, four more uh, games in total because of how week 18 is right. um, to, for anybody to make up some ground here, so... We're getting into the nitty gritty of the season here, folks, with uh, with these last couple primetime games. I think Bobby probably has it, but we might get some some interesting movement at the top. We'll see. Hmm. Uh, Fantasy wise, uh, just to mention briefly how we're doing. Janev unfortunately got eliminated this week. He went up against Colin, who was first place in the league. He won the league last year and just happened to have Amari Cooper on his team who had 50 something points. And he scored like 180-something points in total uh, on the whole week. So it's hard to beat that. So unfortunate for Janev. Congrats to Colin on the win. Colin is against friend of the show Kevin in the finals. And poor Kevin had Russell Wilson as his quarterback. And now he can't have Russell Wilson as his quarterback. So had to resort to free agency. We were looking at what was available for him to get uh, in comparison to who he took. And Kevin ended up taking Derek Carr as his quarterback for this fantasy championship game, which I would not want to do under any circumstances whatsoever. No. <laughs> but when your other options are Minshew, Browning, Heineke, Rudolph, and Bryce Young, I guess maybe you go with Derek Carr. I would, you know, you were you were talking about it, and you're saying, yeah, we were saying, yeah, maybe he did make the right call. But I was just thinking, you know, uh, the that first game that Stidham started last year for the Raiders against the 49ers... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he kind of he kind of cooked. I was thinking maybe maybe against oh. the Chargers, like that wouldn't be the worst start in the world. 
He could also get Aiden O'Connell or Easton Stick. He certainly could. He could. <laughs> what else do we have? Easton Stick, Bailey Zappi. Okay, it looks like Zappi is the last one they have. Maybe here. Jacoby Brissett? Brissett's available. He's against the Niners, so I don't know how much oh, you want to play him. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, it sucks. I also don't want to like mess up the league by cutting players. I do have three quarterbacks on my roster, um, and they're all, well, I guess two of them are going to be playing this week. Sam Howell is not anymore, um, but two very good fantasy options in Fields and Purdy, but I was like, especially once I got knocked out, I can't really make any moves to like free up any, any players for people to snag. I feel like that's not fair. But I do feel bad that someone has to field Derek Carr in the finals. I was I was considering like obviously it's not an issue for us, but I was considering next year to like for locking roster spots for teams that have been eliminated or locking rosters yeah. for teams that have been eliminated so they can't like do exactly that and just like mm-hmm. throw throw the league into into limbo or whatever. Yeah. Because that's a that's a common thing for other leagues too. So I don't know, yeah, this almost happened in, in my parents' league, as I told you about. One guy, when he realized he was out, just cut his entire team. And they're like, no, no, no. We still have playoff implications in your matchup. Go pick everybody back up real quick. Um, so, yeah, that's some the kind of thing you do want to prevent. Um, and that's also what deadlines are designed for with the trade deadline and everything. So I'm of two minds about it. I think I like people can should still be able to like pick up players for the consolation matchups to a, to a degree. But right. I don't want... I don't want spots to be freed up where you just release Christian McCaffrey or whatever into free agency because your team's out hypothetically. So I get it. We'll, we'll, we'll cross this bridge when we get there next year, but yeah, uh, all the pod boys are out, unfortunately. And the finals is Colin versus Kevin. So good luck to Colin and Kevin. Uh, Colin is favored right now with, uh, with the quarterback situation being what it is for Kevin, but could go either way. Fantasy's wacky. Colin's also just got a really strong team. He's had the best team since the start of the yeah. season, pretty much. And it got better when he and I made our trade because he had Michael Mayer and he ended up with with uh, George Kittle. So anyway, moving on to second down, the news recap. We've mentioned some of this already. Story we didn't mention, Mason Rudolph uh, is going to be starting for the Steelers against the Seahawks this week. So yeah, Steelers had a couple rough weeks with Mitch Trubisky. Mason Rudolph goes in, plays against, I think it was the Bengals this past week, and he kind of cooks. George Pickens has a huge game after all the uh, all the controversy with him the last couple of weeks about his lack of effort and him being pretty vocal about about him not being happy with the situation. And Rudolph and Pickens went out and had a huge game. Um, Pickens had 195 for two touchdowns. One of them was an 86-yarder. Pretty, pretty massive game for him, and the Steelers looked as good as they've looked on offense probably the whole season. They put up 34 in this game. Uh, the running game was cooking. Mason Rudolph was cooking, and they looked like a playoff team in this game against a Bengals team that's been since the Burrow injury, I think, better than people expected. So, yep. yeah, Steelers need one win in their last two games to keep the streak going, or a tie. Uh, either or. Uh, e- either would work here to keep the, the Tomlin streak alive. And they have the Seahawks and Ravens on the road in their last two. Jets owner Woody Johnson uh, confirmed that head coach Robert Sala and GM Joe Douglas are going to return for this year. They're just going to chalk this year up to the Rodgers injury and not look at any other structural issues with the team, it looks like. So they're going to run it back next year, see how things go. I don't think I would have really, like, I'm not blaming Sala for how the year went all in all. I might blame him for not doing some, like, being more active and trying to do something at the quarterback quarterback position sooner. But that's the only real thing I would say here. Um, I would maybe consider firing uh, the GM for the poor roster he constructed and giving Rodgers too much input. But I don't know, man. They're they think they have something with Rodgers when he gets back, so they're just really, really, really banking on that. But it's like, okay, 
say he gets back and say he's like, if not 100% healthy, like 90% healthy. Mm-hmm. He's still in what his age 39 season for age 40 season. I think he'll be 41 next year. Huh? Let me, I'll pull it up and, and double check, but yeah, this is a very short term move and it's not like, I don't even think they're as good a team as like the 2019 bucks were where it felt like they were a good quarterback away from being a contender, which they were because um, they had Jameis putting up 30 interceptions when the rest of the team was really strong. I don't think this Jets team is like that. Certainly not on offense. Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are not enough for me to say this Jets team is a good quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl, even with that defense. Nope. Like there are too many structural issues and um, they let Rogers bring in too many of his favorites on the coaching staff and on the offensive side of the ball. Like that's pretty evident to most people, I think, who know football. And it's not evident to the one person who had the most input in this whole thing, which is Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, we'll see how it works, but they're getting at this point at most, probably two years out of this whole thing. And I don't expect much to actually come from it at this point. He turned 40 uh, this month. So yeah, he'll be, it'll be his age 40 turning 41 season in 2024. So yeah, they're not getting much out of out of him in terms of time. So they really, really, really got to make it count because this was a lost year for them. All right. Other quarterback stuff. Uh, we mentioned Sam Howell got benched and Jacoby Brissett is going to be starting. Brissett's come in, I think, the last two games and like totally turned those games around. Uh, the aforementioned Jets uh, were hosting the Commanders and went off to a 27 to 7 lead, I think we said. And as soon as Brissett comes in, the Commanders mount a huge comeback. 28-27, then the Jets got a, a game-winning field goal in the last couple seconds. But when when Brissett's on the field, that team suddenly starts cooking. It's been that way the last couple games. So they're gonna give him uh gonna give him the start probably in these last two games. I think that coaching staff and that team are pretty much done at this point, but we'll see if they can do anything. They do have a couple chances to play spoiler because they play the Niners and then they play the Cowboys the last two games. Uh in New York, the other New York team, Tommy Cutlets, Tommy DeVito got benched at, at uh, after halftime against the Eagles. Didn't have a great performance. They brought Tyrod Taylor back in, who made that game competitive. Uh, the Eagles had a pretty dominant first half, but second half was much more competitive. That game came, da- came down to the last play uh, where they were going for the end zone. And yeah, Giants had a chance in this game. And Tyrod Taylor, when he's been able to play this year, he's looked pretty good, all things considered. This is another team that's just sort of in limbo right now. They're, uh, they're not making the playoffs or anything. So not a very important uh, team or decision at this point in the season, but that's what they're doing over there. I think the Tommy Cutlet Cinderella story is over. Uh, yep, his Linsanity run is over. <laughs> I did see some tweets about that. It's like, I don't think you can really compare them. Jeremy Lin had a game winner over Kobe, and Tommy <laughs> DeVito beat Jordan Love. <laughs> Not quite comparable. Um, but yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, I mean, Tommy Kellitz is going to be a local legend for uh, for the rest of his life in, in, in his area for the one or two months he had on top here. So good for him. All right. Third down injury roundup. Trevor Lawrence uh, has an AC joint sprain. His status against the Panthers is unclear this week. Ooh, that's a get right game that the Jags desperately need. And we'll see if they can take advantage of that. I assume he plays just like he played through his ankle sprain, but we will see. Uh, so we talked about CJ Stroud earlier. He's still in protocol. You said he practiced today. Yeah, he, he's back at practice this week. I, I would imagine he plays this week. Yeah, he's it's missed, been what, two, two, two full weeks. games in a row now? Yeah, it's been yeah. two weeks. Yeah, uh, so uh, Texans especially hope he's back because they're still in that playoff push right now, and they really need him. So hope he can get back. Hope he's all good, obviously, first and foremost. But for the Texans' sake, hope he can get back this week. 
Uh, Jalen Waddle, you mentioned, is uh, nursing a high ankle sprain. Feels like he gets dinged up in every single game this season. And this one, you said, I didn't see the game, obviously. This one, you said, looked a little more severe. Um, you said Jalen Waddle. Yeah, uh, they're saying it's a high ankle sprain, which mm. with that type of injury, it's either like they miss no time and they can play through it or they'll miss like three weeks. So it, it could go either way. We'll see. Yeah, so for the Vikings, couple injuries. Jordan Addison is day-to-day with an ankle injury after leaving Sunday's game. Uh, TJ Hawkinson tore his ACL and MCL, so he's obviously out for the rest of the season. Um, any of my betters out there, you're slamming the over on Justin Jefferson yard this Sunday, I think is what we're learning here. Cause, yeah. Uh, it's Jefferson and then KJ Osborne, I think, and that's it. So slam the over on Jefferson yards. Tight end Cole Komet for the Bears uh, uh, injured his knee in the game. I think they played the Cardinals on Sunday. Not expected to be too serious. He's been a bright spot for the Bears offense this season. Bears, low-key, putting together something the second half of the season. Since Fields came back, I think they're up to 6-9 and nine right now. Um, so not, not going to make the playoffs or anything, but they might have something to build on next year. I think if there's pieces you keep there, DJ Moore, obviously, Cole Komet, and Justin Fields are the ones that I would keep if I were managing that team. A uh, couple chief stories. Uh, the running back position. Jarek McKinnon's been fighting a groin injury all season, and he got placed on IR before this Raiders game. I think I'd have to actually look at the games he missed to definitively say this. I think the Chiefs' offense actually looks much different when McKinnon's on the field. He's so dynamic, he gives them a threat that they don't really have when he's not there. Edwards Hilaire does not provide that dual threat, really, that McKinnon does uh, most of the time. McKinnon's speedy, they call him Jet for a reason, and I think the Chiefs really do miss him, even if they don't use him you know, every single snap. He's the type of pace changer for the game that I think they could really use, and uh, he's a great weapon for Mahomes, and he showed that late last year when he had this big touchdown streak, so... It sucks to miss him. They're also might be missing Isaiah Pacheco in a short week. He um, left with a, you say, suspected concussion. I think the ESP or the CBS broadcast straight up said he had a concussion already um, when he got taken out of the game. So he'll at the very least be going through protocol one way or another. But short week, I imagine he doesn't end up playing, but we'll see. He's been banged up uh, for a couple other reasons the last couple of weeks and only came back for this game. So hopefully it's nothing too long term for him. All right, fourth down, previewing week 17. So our teams, the Lions are in primetime. We'll get to them shortly. Niners, they're in Washington at the Commanders. I'm curious what the all-time worst spread for a home team is because Niners being, or Commanders being 13-point underdogs at home is pretty wild, even with these teams being what they are. Over-under, they have set at 49.5. So, yeah, Niners should win this game. They should take care of business pretty handily. They might get a little bit of a fight from Jacoby Brissett, but commanders are pretty much cooked as a team this season. So not expecting much. Yeah. Agreed. Don't really have much to say about this game. Um, Niners will most definitely have their get right game. And, and I happened in my other league to be in the finals against my boss who has Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey against the worst events in football. So I'm excited. So excited to, to take that L this week. Raiders are in Indianapolis. They're playing the Colts. Colts are three and a half point favorites over under 43 and a half. Must win for the Raiders if they want to stay alive. Colts are also in playoff contention right now. So must win for both teams here. Might make for an exciting game. We'll see if the Raiders offense can get it going. Um, The vibe I got about Josh Jacobs is that it probably wasn't too severe. um, And I expect him to be back this week. Is that how we're looking right now? Um, Yeah, because he did not play the week before that either. Mm. So I I would imagine he'd probably be back this week. Okay. But we'll have to pay attention yeah. to the practice reports. Gotcha. 
All right. And for the Chiefs, they're at home, which has not been a great sign for them this year. They haven't won an Arrowhead since like the middle of October at this point. It's been bad. Um, Chiefs in their last home game of the year are hosting the Bengals over under 44. And you know what, Vegas? You really got to stop setting these spreads so high for the Chiefs. I think they, I think they fail to cover the spread every goddamn time. They're seven point favorites in this game. And I just can't imagine being that confident in this team at this point, to be honest with you. Even against a team that's missing their quarterback and their top wide receiver right now. I'm not confident in the Chiefs' victory right now over pretty much anybody. They can win any given game, but I'm just not going to be confident in it right now. I, I think the Chiefs will get back to their winning ways. They'll, they'll win the division this week. They'll win the division week 18 is my prediction, but we will see. Other major games, we mentioned Dolphins versus Ravens. This is going to happen during the big, busy noon window, the first window on Sunday. It really sucks. I wish this got flexed to primetime. I really, really, really do. Me too. Yeah. Ravens three-point favorites over under 47. Ravens have the best defense in football. Dolphins have one of the best offenses in football. Uh, again, something's got to give. I'm curious about this one. Ravens, I think, are a better overall team, and that's how I expect things to go here, especially since they're at home. But you never know. That's why we play the games, and it's fun to get some legit, exciting matchups between great teams like so many of these late in the season. So. Hopefully we get a good one here. Um, Saints and Bucks, big NFC South matchup this week. Bucks are at home, two and a half point favorites over under 42 and a half. Bucks seem like the much better team to me with what I've seen about these teams, especially on offense. Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield just came off a pretty big game against Jacksonville. So hope they keep that momentum up. I think this is the Bucks division to lose right now. And I think they, I don't know if they can outright win it this week. Um, I think it depends on how Atlanta does, but. That's an interesting matchup just in terms of playoff seating. Again, uh, Saints games aren't that fun to watch, but they they can be important for playoff seating. Uh, last one, Steelers at Seahawks. Seahawks three and a half point favorites over under 41 and a half. They're expecting a decent amount of offense in that game, which I find interesting. I know the Steelers just had their best offensive game of the year, but Seahawks haven't put up a ton of points on the board for the vast majority of their last couple games, um, except the the Cowboys game. But yeah, I don't know about this one in terms of the, the over under, but... Seahawks, I think, are a better team that's healthy at the right time. Dealers are still a decent team at their core, especially on defense. This is an interesting game. Like I said, Steelers can kind of beat anybody, and it won't surprise me, even if it's a lot of games that you feel like they should lose. So I could definitely see that happening here. I'm going to say the Steelers win this game because they won't beat the Ravens to get to their ninth win. Mm. So they have to get their ninth win this season, this this week for the, definitely could beat the, Ravens. the Mike Tomlin curse to continue. You know... If the Ravens win this week, they might rest people. That's true, because then they would have the number I'm one seed locked up. That's true. Yeah, they'd have the they'd have the tiebreaker over Miami. They'd lock up the one seed with a win. I'm just saying, it could happen. It really could happen. So the Steelers might get bailed out if they lose this game against the Seahawks, but we will see. All right, moving on to prime time. One of these is really not like the others, and it's Thursday night football. <laughs> The final Thursday night football of the season. Jets in Cleveland playing the Browns. Browns are seven and a half point favorites over under of 35 in this game. I don't expect the Browns to have the huge game they just had, especially against the defense is good. The Jets, I think this one could be pretty ugly. And going with the Browns here, Jets are the type of team that can stay in games because their defense is so good, but I'm not going to pick them to win this. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I think the Browns, Joe Flacco revenge game a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. for the the Jets not picking him back up, <laughs> which like obviously like nobody I forgot expected he was a Jet. That up. was last season. He, he played he played terribly as a Jet, but mm-hmm. uh, no, like the the Browns definitely look very competent on offense with Joe oh, yeah. Flacco under center, 
and mm-hmm. their their defense was already like one of the best in the league. And I the way the Jets are playing right now, it's just kind of hard to see them getting the upset yeah. here. Uh, Saturday night, the Monday Night Football crew gets moved over to Saturday because of college football happening on New Year's Day. So big game here. Cowboys hosting the Lions. Cowboys six point favorites over under 53. I know the Cowboys are dominant. We've talked about this in the past, but as I told you before we recorded, six-point spread in favor of the Cowboys here over the Lions feels so disrespectful. Yeah. Between two and four feels feels right here. I don't know if a full six-point spread is what I'm expecting. I am expecting a Cowboys victory here. Uh, like I said, they are dominant at home. Both teams are, uh, well, I guess Cowboys are coming off of a loss. The Lions are coming off of a win, but both teams have had stretches the the last couple weeks or like five or six weeks of the season where they haven't looked quite as dominant as they did a little bit earlier in the year. So this is a very interesting game uh, for obvious reasons. Lions really need it if they want to be the one seed. Cowboys really need it if they want to win the division. I think the Eagles pretty much have that locked up anyway, but it's a pretty big matchup. Might be a playoff preview depending on what the divisional round looks like and things like that. So pretty big matchup here. Like I said, I take the Cowboys, but I could really see this one going either way. I'm very excited for this one. Yeah, I'm also taking the Cowboys. Um, the we, we've kind of mentioned like the Lions over the the home stretch of the season. They haven't been quite as impressive as they were in the first half of the year. Yeah, and yeah, they they were able to pull it out against the Vikings and win the division for the first time in 30 years. But the Cowboys are a much 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 better team than the Vikings, and yeah. I I can see them making a game out of it but i i think that like the more i think about it the, the six point line makes a little more sense <laughs> because i think that the the physicality of the cowboys is kind of in a different league that than the lions are in okay sunday night football this game did not get flexed i mean it is an important matchup for the wild card but i see dolphins ravens right there and i'm just looking at this game like really yeah <laughs> packers at vikings vikings one and a half point favorites as the home team over under 46 this one could go either way. You got Nick Mullins in there on our center. Vikings are missing two of their three biggest. I, not, I guess we don't know if Addison's going to be out. May not have Nick Mullins on our center. There's, uh, there's speculation that he may sit. He may see the bench again, and we might get um, Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so maybe not Nick Mullins. We have a question mark at quarterback for the Vikings. They're missing Hawkinson. Might be missing Addison, depending on how the week goes. They're missing a lot of people. And the Packers have been a weird team this year where it feels like they've lost games they definitely should have won, and they've won games they probably should have lost. I think I'm going to take the Packers here, I think. Um, the Vikings are a more fun team, I think, all things considered, especially when Jefferson's in there. But push is coming to shove here. I think I'm going to take the Packers. Yeah, I think there's too many questions around the Vikings with their injury situation yeah. and their quarterback situation right now. And the Packers are coming off of, like, not... Not a dominant win because they let the the Panthers back into it towards the end mm-hmm. this past week, but I I still think they're a little more complete than the Vikings are right now. So I'll take the Packers on the road. Yeah, Packers will be missing Jair Alexander though. Oh yeah, <laughs> what what a hilarious story that that, that made my what's day. The, what's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss? That's Santon Sugar <laughs> to Jair Alexander. Ah. <laughs> uh. Is it just for one game? I didn't actually see how long it was for. It was one game, yeah. yeah that okay. Was good. That was good. Yeah, it's on Sugar reference. That got me. Uh, yeah, so they're they're missing him, but I'm still taking the Packers, and Arcadio is still taking the Packers. Uh, so Du Bois, um, 
Bobby has taken the Browns, Lions, and the Vikings. Figured he wouldn't pick against the Lions. I figured out as well. Yeah, Janev is like us, taking the Browns, Cowboys, and Packers. So I guess we could have, what's that, a three-way tie at the top, if I'm doing my math right, if you guys gain a game, gain a game on him, or just you. I would be at the top if if this if if you me and Janev are correct I would be at the top and you and Janev oh, right, right, right. would pick up uh, you would pick up two games on him so it, mm-hmm. he would be in last place Bobby would be in last Ooh. place after this week ah I love it I love it and then we only have one game in week eighteen to to vote on oh wow oh man getting dicey folks but yeah I'm, I'm kind of surprised he took the Vikings Bobby did. I'm, I'm a little he's more of a Packers hater at the that's end of the true day. like that I was thinking that had something to do with it like maybe maybe a little bit of a little bit of the 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 cheesehead hate uh as for Steph she made her uniform picks for Thursday night she took the Browns Browns are wearing they're all whites which I don't remember the last time I've seen them wear those it's a pretty rare uniform for them and they're at home too and they're at home yep uh Saturday night she's taking the Lions she does not like the Cowboys uniforms uh the home uniforms that the Cowboys always wear uh, so not a fan of that. Not a fan of the Lions either, but she's going with the Lions. And on Sunday Night Football, I don't think we've seen what each team's actually wearing yet. Um, but she did go with the Vikings because the Packers aesthetic, I'll agree with her, is ugly as hell. I don't like it. I, I like their home aesthetic. Their their road leaves something to be desired to me. Okay. Yeah, just the green and yellow together. I, I know, we, I think we've debated about this before because you were once a fan of the baseball team that's currently in Oakland. Yeah, um, they're j- just hideous colors. Yeah, I think they're hideous colors. I totally so. didn't used to stand those colors back in the mm-hmm. day. Totally, totally <laughs> didn't used to think that they were like one of the best aesthetics in all of sports. Yeah, uh, I think it's a bad aesthetic, and he obviously has never thought otherwise. So never. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the uniform picks, and all in all, that is how week seventeen is looking. I'm looking to see if there's any other notable games here. Just a bunch of kind of meh teams playing against. I was each gonna other. say, uh, not not the nastiest week I've ever seen, but it's a lot of good team playing bad team. Yeah. Panthers Jags. I got my eye on that one. Let's oh, see how boy. fraudulent they really are. Oh boy, <laughs> the Panthers oh. might win that one. <laughs> You're gonna have a field day if the Panthers I will, win that one. Oh my goodness. Oh, I will be drinking all the haterade. You know, I kind of have to root for it now, just in case the Chiefs keep sucking ass. They they might get stuck with the four seed if they're not careful. Then they have to play probably Cleveland or maybe Buffalo uh, in that first week. Which ooh, I don't want to play either of those two teams. Jeez. So. Let's go, Jack. Let's go, Jacks, baby. <laughs> Although I guess probably stuck with Cleveland or Buffalo either way, hypothetically, if we're the three or the four seed. So I, I, I get the feeling that Buffalo might still win the division. Yeah, I, I know. With they have the Patriots this week, who they did lose to. Um, in but or okay, they were in Foxborough when they lost, so they're probably not going to lose in Buffalo. But they did lose the past the season. But they also beat the Dolphins, and they have to play the Dolphins again. So. I could definitely see them taking that division with what the Dolphins have this week. So, yeah, gonna hopefully be a fun week. Red Zone's gonna be uh, gonna be must watch the last couple weeks uh, when they're pushing for the playoffs. Red Zone's pretty must watch. So, looking forward to that. We have two weeks left of the regular season. Things are getting dicey. The Chiefs have not secured the division, which I really, really, really hate. It hasn't been like this for a good couple years now. Um, I think since 2018, uh, it took them till like till week 17 at the time to to win the division that year. So. They were competing with the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers also went twelve and four that year. They both went twelve and four. Was that Phillips last 12. year? Uh, no, the year after was went to the okay. Colts in twenty twenty. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So that's how week seventeen uh, is looking. We'll be back next week. I think Janib will be back with us. 
Um, so we'll have a, a three-man crew again, I believe, and we'll talk about everything that happened in the league on week 17. Um, as for the brief soccer aside that we have, all I have to say is that uh, since Fulham had their amazing couple games where they won like three games in a row by five goals, uh, they have sucked ass ever since then. They've lost like four in a row. It's not fun. I got a Fulham scarf for Christmas, and I think because I forgot to wear the scarf yesterday for their Boxing Day game, that's why they lost 3 nothing. That's probably what happened there. So, yeah, not great. Uh, not great, Bob. Lakers have lost like four in a row too. I, I didn't have hanging a, up that banner, and then the rest of the year is gonna suck. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have a great great day on on Christmas Day with my sports teams. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. They'll they'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who won't be all right is Bobby's basketball team. <sighs> what's it What's it up to now? Twenty seven. The streak, I think, is 27. Total losses is 28. They're 2-28, and 28, the Detroit Pistons are. And, you know, I saw a tweet earlier today. Is It's get, it's at the point where those teams are going to play it like it's Game 7 of the Finals because they don't want to be the team that they broke the streak against. So it might be yeah. worse for them. <laughs> they, they'll be playing the best versions of all their teams for the rest of the season as long as the streak lasts. So I'm I'm fascinated. I really want them to win. I feel so bad for them, but also... This is the most interesting story in basketball right now, and I want to keep going as long as possible. <laughs> Poor Pistons. I'm sorry, Detroit. You had to sacrifice the Pistons to have a good football team. That's just how it goes sometimes. That's all I got. You good? Glad to, to be in the winner's chair for once. If it weren't this situation, I would be happy for you, of course. And one of us had to have a, a bad Christmas, and I guess it's fine that I had the bad Christmas this year. We'll see if we play each other uh, on Christmas weekend next year. I don't think it'll be on Christmas Day, because that'll be a Wednesday with the leap year, so... Although I hear they're trying to get games on Christmas Day next year. I that was one that too. story I heard. They're trying to take it from the NBA. If we have a Wednesday NFL game that's not put there because of weather or COVID, I'm going to be so annoyed. That's an ugly day for football. Unnatural. Never do that. Unnatural. I'm so used to Thursday that it doesn't feel unnatural, even though it probably is. But yeah, Wednesday is the nastiest day to put a football game on. Do not do that to me. Anyway. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I get to hold, hold this over your head for an entire year. Yeah, I don't get the revenge game until probably the middle of next season. So I guess you'll have that. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully we'll have the playoffs over you, but anything could happen the last two weeks of the season. So we'll be back next week, folks, to talk about week 17 and everything else that's happening in the league. We'll preview the final week of the season and then the playoffs are looking. And that's all I got. Have a great week, everybody. And Happy New Year. It'll be 2024 when we come back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. See you next week. 